Lane Bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankees put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are underway this hour. Coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome and the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Steinberg Pike on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. It is Thursday, March 2nd. Welcome to the Sports Drive. Uh, it's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Um, get a full security audit. Let's try that again. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be pro- proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calvarylockandsafe.com. Usually you want to start reading at the, the first line and then go to the second line as opposed to the opposite. You, you do things differently, Pat, and that's why you're a pro. I do things differently and, and usually not to my benefit. Hi, Pike. Hello. I, I, uh, I missed you on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, well, there was a lot going on on Tuesday. You were supposed to be on, and then Gary Bettman was talking, and then Gary Bettman was in here. So, yeah, there was a lot going on on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, and anyone who hasn't heard it, go to uh, the Sportsnet podcast feed and check out uh, Pat's lengthy chat with the commissioner on Tuesday. It was, uh, it was very well done, and I, I was just good listening. So He was uh, – he was, I was intimidated, of course. He, he accused you of stalking him NHL, a bit. Which was true. Uh, I did watch his entire media availability the day before. If that counts as stalking, then I guess – Guilty as charged. Um, <laughs> here we are, a day from the trade deadline. It's Thursday, March 2nd. The deadline is Friday, March 3rd. And as we speak right now, the Flames uh, have not made a trade. Uh, they're one of the few teams that have not made a trade all season. And uh, they have not been active leading up to the deadline. In fact, um, I don't know what type of uh, movement they're going to make between now and uh, and the trade deadline Friday at 1 p.m. Calgary time. But there is still time. And and I do typically subscribe to the where there's smoke, there's fire line of thought. And our buddy Elliot Friedman has been mentioning the Flames being involved with the Carolina Hurricanes for some time. Uh, I want to say about a week now he has talked about the Hurricanes and the Flames and if there's any interest there. Uh, this was Elliot on the latest edition of the Jeff Merrick Show, uh, which is available wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, uh, is live from 10 till noon every day here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, listen to Elliot talking about the Flames and where they are and the potential of Carolina being interested in a couple of players. I do think teams have called them. What are you thinking? Um, I... <laughs> You know, I mentioned, I had some, you know, I've talked about Tafoli with Carolina because the history. Last night, uh, the, you know, I did something with TNT that we carried on our, our network, and I mentioned Backlund's name. And, and not that I think that he's getting traded or anything like that, but I do think the Hurricanes have spoken to the Flames about what they're thinking. And I know that the Hurricanes are looking for a center. And... You know, like I don't know that, like I don't know that Calgary's willing to do that. But you, like, you look up and down at a Calgary's roster, and I see two guys that make sense for Carolina. One of them they've already had is Lindholm. The other one they've is Backlund. These are both great players. I don't know what the likelihood is, and I know it would be expensive. But I just like I think I think Carolina is looking for a center. If it's a rental, it's not a big price that they'll pay. If it's a player with some term and both those guys have another year, I, their history is they're willing to pay a little bit more. And 
I like I don't know what Calgary is going to do here, but the sense I really have from talking to people who've dealt with them that they are just trying to wrap their heads around where they are and what that means. And um, but I do think teams have called them, and I think Carolina is one of them. Like they have good players there who've got uh, who you can get two playoff oh, yeah. runs out of. And I think that people are just asking the Flames what they're thinking. And as I sit here today at 1026 uh, Mountain Time, I don't know if Calgary has an answer. But they're getting calls. So um, there's Elliot Friedman from the latest Jeff Merrick show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, and then live daily from Tendal Noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I just, I, it's a fascinating conversation when you hear that. And, and again, you know, I, I've, I've, um, we've heard that for a little while, that Carolina's been asking, they need a center, all that type of stuff. Um, that conversation comes down to the idea of, are you okay with selling off an asset or two? Are you okay with saying goodbye to an important player if you can exploit this market this year? Or are you wanting to hold on to guys that are right now a part of your core, like the two guys that Elliot mentioned, Elias Lindholm and, of course, Michael Backlund? It's a fascinating conversation when it comes to how the Flames might go about this trade deadline. And those are names that, you know, have been brought up, but they've been brought up a lot over the last little while from, you know, on the text line and, and <laughs> in speculative nature. When Elliot Friedman brings up a name like uh, Elliot, that, it's a Elliot bit... doesn't just say things. No, he does not. So... I, I think I you know you and I have t- discussed this in the past. I don't hate the idea of a strategic sell. I think you have to know what your prices are. I think uh, Brad Free Living is very much a disciple of both uh, Don Maloney and Brian Burke. And Brian Burke very famously just didn't give away guys. Uh, he he he. I think I believe he was here for the I want to say the twenty. 14 trade deadline. Yes, the 13-14 deadline. And that was deadline. the one where Camilleri didn't go anywhere. He should have traded Camilleri. He should have, but, you know, Brian Burke was very blunt about he didn't want to undercut himself later by giving out guys for cut rates. And, you know, you can just – I agree with the premise. I don't disagree with how it manifested, but, you know, you don't want to cut off your own you cut off your own legs if you don't have to. And so the, the Flames are in a situation where, you know, they, they have to go – a lot of things have to go right for them to make the postseason. And – if you can figure out a way to solve some future problems, case in point, you know, your your chat with the commissioner has mentioned that, you know, it doesn't seem like the, the cap will be will go up nearly as much as people thought it would. Maybe it will. You know, Frank Cervalli from Daily Faceoff has mentioned on social media and, and other, you know, on hits on this station, the possibility of, hey, maybe, maybe they'll find a middle ground between a million dollars and the bigger bump. Maybe they sort of figure something out. But right now you're planning for a million dollar cap rise next year. Uh, with the guys the Flames have under contract now that we're reasonably sure will be around, they have $1.3 million in cap space to fill uh, three roster spots. Four, no, four full-time roster spots. Uh, they don't have enough money, so they're going to have to start figuring some stuff out. And if you can potentially solve that problem right now, or help yourself solve that problem, and avoid the rush of every team in the league trying to do the same thing that first week in, or that week in June when they do announce the cap going up or how much it's going to go up. Maybe you got to do it. But I don't know. I, I think you have to know what your price is. You have to know what number, what player, what pick are you comfortable with saying yes to? Because I think otherwise, you know, you're, you're just... I don't think you just don't do things to do things. You yeah. do things because they're the right move for you where you are. Well, and again, like, I mean, I, I think that um, 
I think that the I'm trying to think of the right word for this. <laughs> I think that the the, the the atmosphere or the the feel on whether or not Elias Lindholm extends here beyond next year. Um, I think that the temperature is uncertain uh, as it stands right now. You know, a lot of times you have a pretty good idea that a guy does or does not, you know, see a future beyond his contract uh, from from what. You know, anything that I've been able to ascertain, I think the best word would be that the temperature's uncertain as to whether or not there is a desire in the Lindholm camp to extend here long term. So, you know, that that would play into any conversation about him. I don't think they should trade him. I don't. Uh, You know, maybe next deadline, sure. And you can tell me all you want about uh, two two playoff runs as opposed to one. I, I don't think it's worth it to trade Elias Lindholm at this deadline. I don't. Um, and I also don't think it makes sense to trade Backlund at this deadline. And and I will be very, very um, transparent in the fact that I'm biased on the Backlund front and the Lindholm front. I, I'm a big appreciator of both those players in a huge, huge way. And, you know, the jokes have been made many times about my affinity for Mr. Backlund. And, and it's true. I'm a huge fan of the human and the player. And... I wouldn't be doing that either. Uh, I think there's something to him potentially spending his whole career as a member of the Flames. Again, though, if the offers are too good to refuse, you can't turn them down. Uh, but it, it goes it goes to my the, the question that I think is most interesting, and that is of all the players the, fla- the Flames could move on from, and of all the players that they Ooh. could that they could I think realistically trade from a contract perspective. So here are the guys. I'll just go in order in terms of players that have uh, expiring deals or players that have one more year left on their deal. So we're talking about uh, Backlund. We're talking about Lucic. We're talking about Lindholm, Toffoli. Um, we're talking about Dubé. Um, we're going Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov, Gilbert, those are the guys that we're talking about right now that would be potential names that are shorter term on the contract, and then you can talk about what each player is. So of all those guys, who could the Flames maximize the most before Friday at 1 p.m.? That's the interesting thing Ooh. to me, who they could maximize the most. I, I, think a play- I know who it is for me. I'm I, just curious. Who I think a playoff-bound team might look at someone like Nikita Zadorov That's and go, who it is for me. Like, he's, you know, he, he he's... The biggest knock I have against Zadorov is sometimes he tries to do too much. Like, if you look at that, that, that hit he threw against Boston, good example, that's a guy who's... He did something... He did a good thing just at the wrong time. He, you know, it was a little bit a little bit too much for me in terms of, you know, him being a little bit too pugnacious. But I, I respect where that comes from. And I think a lot of teams look at him. He's big. He can play all over the lineup. He can, you know eat up minutes for you. If, if you're a team and you just you need some guys who can you know, take on minutes and get your team deep into a playoff run, I think he's one of those guys. I'll also point out, I don't know how much you'd get for him, but I think a lot of teams will look at uh, Trevor Lewis in terms of p- killing penalties, playing reliable fourth-line minutes, and being sort of a good utility guy, especially a guy his age who already has some rings. I think that could be... Uh, those would be the two guys. I think Lewis and Zadorov would be the two guys that I look at and go... You could move those guys. It opens up some spots for other people. You know, the Zadorov piece particularly would help deal with the cap situation next year. So I think a lot of those things you can look at and go, okay, I can see why they want to do that potentially. It's an interesting one. I, um, again, 
when there is smoke, I, I typically subscribe to there might also be fire, especially if it's Elliot Friedman. Um, doesn't mean that it will come true, but at the very least, it, it means that there's something there. I'm with you. I think that the, the edge, the size, the skating, all of what goes into the Nikita Zadorov package, and on top of that, what he's done before in the playoffs, uh, I think that there would be a lot of interest out there. I don't think I'm not trying to get rid of the guy. I'm actually a really big fan of the player, but just looking at the looking at the market, looking what defensemen have gone for, looking at how the the value of his contract looks, looking what he's done in the playoffs before, I just think you could get a really good return. Like I I don't think it is completely bonkers of me to say that a first round pick at in, at some point could be on the table for a guy like Zadorov. His age, his contract, his size, um and, and the skating, I, I think that there absolutely would be teams that covet what comes along with, with Nikita yep. Zadorov. I'm not saying they would get one, but I don't think that I am, I'm going so far he, out, of, out of whack by the, saying that. He's the type of player that on deadline day, teams move high picks for guys like that. And, you know, if you're the team making the move, you've got to be sure that he's the missing piece of the puzzle or a guy who can help you get over the line. But if you're a team like the Flames, like, I'll say this. I don't think the Flames are in any hurry to move anybody. But I also don't think they're going to plug their ears and ignore any offer they get. I think they're going to listen. I think they're going to assess. And I think they're going to weigh the pros and cons of as many possible moves as they can. Yep. I don't know. It's a really interesting one. I'll read you a few texts here at 960-960 before I throw, a, throw a, another fly potentially into the ointment. I don't know why I'm so big on ointment and flies <laughs> these days. but uh, This says, whether it's a smart business move or not, I would hate to get rid of Backlund. That guy needs to be a flame for life and possibly the team's next captain. As much as I would hate to see Lindholm goal, uh, go, rather, I could see that being a reality. Um, this says... Um, they should do themselves a favor and sell for picks. One to fully worth more now than he'll ever be. Too many missed chances higher wide, even though he scored quite a few goals. I hear the ring of the goal poster crossbar in my head whenever his name is mentioned. Two, Manjapati is, like you said, a guy who scored 35, not a 35 goal score, won the lottery with his contract and mostly disappeared. That comes from Mike, so he suggests to Foley and Manjapati as guys who could be dealt uh, this says if you trade Lindholm, uh, then the rebuild's on and you need to trade everybody. If that's the case, they should have been doing this for the last couple of weeks. What's the point of trading someone in your core otherwise? I, I, I agree with that line of thinking. Uh, this says, why are they thinking or why are you thinking of selling? Just need to catch one team to get in. Last time I've checked, there's no three-on-three hockey in the playoffs. I, the reason why is because of the prices. The reason why is because there's 21 games to go and they're five out. Uh, the reason why is because they've shown us nothing that would suggest that they're going to be a real factor in the playoffs. That, that, would be, uh, that would be the reason. They're closer to being catched by, caught by Nashville than they are to a playoff spot. And that, to me, that's, you know, as, as soon as you're, almost, you're basically the nine-and-a-half nine team, you're not even nine straight away, you're barely ninth, I'd say at that point, when you start getting more and more teams bunching up against you, and you get further and further back, I mean, I don't know. No one, no one's saying sell, but when the prices are are crazy, maybe maybe you pick up the phone. Yeah, and I don't like again. I'm not suggesting that you're trying to get rid of these guys. Uh, I just think that um, you need to, at the very least, think about these things. Uh, this says, I'd drive Zadorov to the airport myself <laughs> if he could net the Flames at 2023 first. Um, this says, um, 
all the players you guys want to trade, who are you going to replace them with? Rebuild? That's from Val. Well, here's my, here's my, theory. <laughs> here's my theory on this. So say that you trade a guy, you sell high on a guy right now. Just, it doesn't have to be everybody. It's one or two. But say, say that you sell high, and then you sell high, and you go into a market in the summer where the prices aren't as high. So you exploit the high prices now, and you exploit the lower prices in the summer. That's yeah, how you. Um, uh, that's how you go about if it. If you go to cap friendly folks and start perusing teams, almost nobody has cap space. And if you can open up some cap space now and potentially get an asset or two in the process, and then you're going into that summer. Uh, typically, what they do is uh, the board of governors meets and finalizes the. Uh, the cap hit or the uh, the cap ceiling and floor the week before the draft or usually a few days before the draft. So that week in Nashville, they'll have the NHL awards. They'll lock in the cap uh, situation for all the teams, and then you're, it'll be like you know poking an anthill. Teams will be running around like crazy trying to you know take advantage of the three or four teams who actually have any cap space. Yeah. And if you're you know obviously Arizona will be there, but if you're the Flames and you're one of a few teams and you can potentially get very good players for pennies on the dollar. Why wouldn't you explore that? And then there is the uh, interesting fly in the ointment. And uh, his <laughs> name is Matt Coronado, the 2021 who? first round pick of the Calgary Flames, who is a member of the Harvard hockey team in the NCAA. Go Crimson. So here's the situation. Matt Coronado is in his sophomore season. Uh, I know our buddy Eric Francis has done some reporting on this at sportsnet.ca. Here's, here's what I know about the situation from some of the different uh, places I've checked in um, and, and just from what I've been able to gather. Here's what I know about the situation. The Flames would like to sign him when his year at Harvard comes to an end. They'd like to, to make sure that this gets done. They visited him a few times in, in recent weeks. Like This has been something that um, they, they've absolutely been pretty engaged on over the last little bit. And there's a belief from the Flames, and I think that there is a desire on the other side that, yeah, they're, they're very much open to doing that. So I think that the prognosis would be positive <laughs> that Matt Coronado does sign once his college career comes to an end. Now, he's going to want to burn the first year of his entry-level deal. He's going to want to be able to get into a game at least, if not games, uh, as a member of the Flames. Um, so that, that there is that, but I think that that's a fair price to pay if you're going to be able to get this guy and, and get him to avoid going back for his junior season. Because once you go back for your junior season, then that senior season and the potential of becoming an unrestricted free agent at the end of it is hanging right over it. Whereas if you get it done after the sophomore, you, you kind of avoid that temptation really starting to... Te all of a sudden, you finish your junior year, you're like, <laughs> I'm only a year away now from unrestricted free agent. I'll have 31 other teams after me. I can kind of choose my – pick my spot. So getting it done now is desirable for the Flames. So I don't know if it's been a full court – pretty close to a full court press. As much as you can do with a college player, I think they it's, would like to sign him. I think he'd like to sign. Eric, so I think there's a deal to be done. Eric Francis, Francis mentioned his column – you know, Craig Conroy was uh, was in uh, New York yeah, Conroy State. Conroy was just down there. Con Conroy's seen him a few times. Jelena's uh, been there a few times. Ray Edwards has been there fairly regularly. Ray Edwards is a guy who coached in the area, so he knows the he knows the lay of the land up there. Um, I'll say this: the when he when he got drafted, the rumblings out of his camp were two years of college and then see where he's at. And two years of college, he's one of the better 
goal scorers in all of college hockey. He was an excellent player. He can play center now, which he couldn't a year ago. So he's multidimensional, multifaceted. He's played in a very good system at Harvard under uh, Ted Donato, where you got to play a good 200-foot game to get anywhere. And he's been, you know, one of their go-to guys. So I mean. Would the Flames like to sign him? Oh, definitely. Would he want to sign with the Flames? All indications are he would. Uh, like you mentioned, I think uh, the the idea of, you know, he'd, he'd want to burn the first year right away. He doesn't even need to play to burn the first year. He and the Flames just need to sit down and say, okay, so first year is this year? Because he's uh, he's at the point now where we're past March 1st. He can sign a deal that wouldn't begin until 23-24. I don't think he wants to do that. No, I, that that gets him closer to his net. That gets him yeah. further away, rather, from his next contract. Yeah. So you you know the if the if the the carrot you had the dangle is you'll you'll get your signing bonus. You'll get to unrestricted free agency a year earlier potentially. Now you know with the Flames where they are, they'd be able to give him a much longer audition at the end of a season with the coaching staff, with the team, with the players. Uh, I think if you're trying to set up a really important player in your system for success. It gives you a fairly good amount of time to get hands on him, get him to understand the NHL game. And, you know, we, we've seen this in the past uh, in, in prior seasons where, you know, the Flames brought up Rasmus Anderson from the AHL late in the year, dipped his toes in the water, and then helped him figure out what I he do think on. I do think Coronado is going to want to play, though. I think that'll be a big part and, of it as well. And I, th- I think, you know, uh, right now, I think he'd uh, definitely have the opportunity to play. I mean, if the Flames remain outside the playoff picture and the clock keeps running down on them, you've got two weeks left. Yeah. Play him every game. Why not? I mean, I think the challenge for him is, you know, collegiate players, even like he played a ton in the USHL. Collegiate players, you only play like twice a week. You only play on weekends. So schedule might be a little bit different for him. That'll be something to adjust to. But you might as well have him adjust to it now rather than adjust to it in September, right? Yeah. And I think, look, I, th- I think that they, um, I, I absolutely think that the, the Flames are pretty keen on, on trying to make this happen. Um, it's obviously a, the player's choice. There's only so much a team can offer a college player to, to get them to sign. But uh, I oh, think come that on. The, they'll, they'll do what they always do. They'll send Craig Conroy in a private jet, and that'll, yeah, that yeah. tends to work out. Yeah, what's going on? Um, and, and I think that, you know, I, I – I think the, when I when I said the prognosis was uncertain on Elias Lindholm's temperature in re-signing, I think that the prognosis is they're, they're feeling pretty good about the idea of of Coronado signing. I'll, I think that the I think the optimism is high on the Flames side of things, and I think the door is wide I'll, open on the Coronado side. I'll of say things. this: I know I know there's some apprehension in the market after how things went with Adam Fox, and I don't think it's completely unfounded apprehension. But if you look at the body of all the players, high-end or otherwise, who were drafted by NHL teams from the NCAA, far, far, far more, I think to like a 5 or 6 to 1 ratio of the high-end players, sign with the team that drafted them rather than, let's say, going full Schultz. Because you go full Schultz, maybe maybe you have an injury in college. Maybe you fall off a cliff. Maybe you lose your, you lose your mojo. I mean, if you're, if you're Matt Coronado, two years into your collegiate career, you're a really good college player. And... Do you want to gamble on your stock continuing to go up, or do you want to cash in and get a little bit closer to unrestricted free agency? I mean, and you can do what Fox did, I guess, which is, hey, I'm not going to sign here, so I guess you better trade me. And they traded him to Carolina, and he said, hey, I'm not going to sign here, so you might as well trade me. And then he traded him to, they traded him to New York, and now he's a Norris Trophy winner, hey, I mean, a really good player. But you could do that. Um, so, yeah. Cal- Cal- Calgary and Carolina both got assets out of it, so. 
They did. You'd much rather have guys that want to play for you. But if you know guys aren't going to sign, like case in point, Harvard teammate uh, Henry Thrun told uh, the Anaheim Ducks, eh, don't think I'm going to sign. Told them far enough in advance they are able to get a third-round pick for him. I mean, that, that's tidy business from both sides. Yeah. So I think as long – I think in this case, I, I don't anticipate it being an issue. Um, this says, would a signed Coronado be eligible to play in this year's NHL playoffs? The yes. answer is yes. Remember Kale McCarr? Uh, Kale McCarr didn't even play a regular – he debuted in the playoffs. He played zero regular season games before he played, you know, into round two of the playoffs that year. They went to game seven against San Jose in 2019, and Kale McCarr was a big part of it, and he yeah. hasn't looked back. Any, so, anybody, yes, absolutely you're eligible. Anybody to, – to be eligible for the playoffs, you have to be – uh, on the reserve list as of the trade deadline. So as long as the Flames hold his rights as of the trade do. deadline. Uh, you know, so any player in junior, unsigned collegiate draft picks, unsigned junior draft picks, and uh, anybody under, under an NHL contract in the AHL or the NHL will be able, able to play in the playoffs. Yeah. So the short answer is, yeah, he could be Kale McCarr. We'll see. Well, but, he couldn't <laughs> be Kale McCarr because Kale McCarr is a defenseman. You don't think a kid who just learned how to play center couldn't learn how to play defense, too? Maybe. He's smart. He goes to Harvard. Uh, the other question, if he does sign, uh, could he play with the Wranglers in the playoffs? I don't think so. No, he wouldn't be able to. Because you have to be, be on, on the, the AHL Wranglers. roster. You've got to be on the AHL roster before the trade deadline yeah. to be eligible for the American League playoffs, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Uh, this says, I think people really take the Fox situation too seriously. It's not something that happens all the time, which is to your point. Um, this says, uh, but boys, Kachuk and Johnny also said they wanted to re-sign with the Flames at the end of last season. Also, if Coronado ended up signing, which would be great, uh, would Sutter play him? I think so, uh, because I think Daryl Sutter knows as well as anybody the importance of a player um, to the organization. Oh. You know, I, there's, oh. and there's still a big picture view when it comes to how Daryl Sutter and, looks at this and team. And Coronado is a fairly suttery player if you watch some Harvard uh, Anyone you have a chance, go back and watch some Harvard games. He's plays every situation. He back checks. He's you know he's not a big dude, but uh, as uh, <laughs> Bradshaw Living has a nice quote that he gave to Eric Francis about uh, let's just say uh, Coronado's backside uh, in terms of he's thick. He's a he's not exactly a a, a small kid. He's and he spent two years in college going to the gym and eating a lot. And that tends to be what thickens guys out. This says, uh, not saying they do this, but what is the trade capital for Coronado? I think it would be, I think there would be teams who would absolutely be interested. He's a offensive, um, he's an offensive guy. He's been a point-per-game player in a junior and sophomore season uh, in a really good league in, uh, in the ECAC. He's a good hockey player. Uh, I think he projects, I think the Flames kind of see him projecting as a top six Maybe not top line, but top six right winger. Good yeah. second line right wing guy. He's a right shot right winger who can score. He can play a little center as well, but center center in college is a little different than center in the NHL. Especially so like small, right smaller shot guys. right winger is probably for him. Guys who are 5'10-ish tend to not to be, depending on their skill set, tend not to be centers at the NHL level if they, if they can also play the wing. But, yeah, you could – I mean, I don't think they do it, but if Henry Thrun got a third – I'm sure you'd get something very nice for uh, a former first-round draft pick. I also think they'd rather have him than than to move him. Yeah, by far. Um, so that's. Uh, I, I think that the the best way that I would phrase it would be that things are. And I've been I've been trying to 
pushed this kind of quietly over the last few weeks. Like, don't write off Coronado. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that you bring in Coronado and all of a sudden he's the he's the answer, he's the savior, he's the guy that is is going to save this season. And we're probably, what, still a few weeks away from him being eligible. I believe the, the earliest is possible for Harvard to get knocked out of the NCAA playoffs would probably be March 23rd. So even if he does come in, it would be – only for a few games, and if they, you know, if they go deep, then all of a sudden, remember, Johnny Gaudreau was able to be signed with one game remaining. That wasn't because he was sitting around thinking about it. It was because his season at Boston College, him and Bill Arnold, uh, we always forget Bill, Bill Arnold. Arnold. Um, <laughs> his season at, at Boston College came to an end. Uh, then they flew down, and, and Connie did the private jet treatment, and uh, they, they wined and dined the family and, and got him to sign, and, and next thing you know he's one of the best Calgary Flames in in franchise history so on and so forth not saying that's going to happen with Coronado but all I'm saying is that it's not imminent it's not tomorrow Uh, there's still a college season and a college playoffs that he's got to be focused on and see how deep that Harvard Crimson team can go they're a pretty good team. Second in uh, their conference behind Quinnipiac. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're a second seed. They have a bye this I don't weekend. Know if, uh, they're going to be and good. I, and I might be wrong on that. It's either Quinnipiac or Quinnipiac. It's one I of think it's two. Quinnipiac. Yeah, I think I think it is too. That sounds, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a New England name, so you emphasize the second syllable Yeah, Quinnipiac. Yeah, I think Quinnipiac. that's how you say it, actually. Yeah, he's, uh, he's going to have a good playoffs. Private then University we'll in Hamden, Connecticut. That makes Quinn- sense. Quinnipiac, Connecticut. It all just kind of rolls off the tongue when you say that. <laughs> um, big lacrosse school as well. He's Ryan Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge in the Dome. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You're locked on Flames Talk. Only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary Co-op, Callan Gary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. With Pike, I'm Steinberg. Um, what do we make of the Pacific Division so far as we move towards the deadline? Here we are on Thursday, March 2nd, final day before the trade deadline. What do we make about the Pacific Division and what they've done? Because it has gotten a little bit busier over the last little bit, and for the sake of uh, this podcast portion uh, remaining relevant. We're not going to talk about things that might happen. Uh, We'll talk (laughs) about things that we know for sure have happened. Uh, So, Pike, let's start with the Oilers because I do think, as much as I hate to say it... That's some some tidy work by that group. I do think they've gotten better. Uh, They added Ekholm, um, and that's a big add for them, especially right now. You know, the long term, I'm not as certain about, just because of the miles on that chassis. You know, Frank Saravalli said the same thing on Tuesday. He was talking to a couple of scouts on Tuesday night. They, They brought up the same thing, like... Just worried a little bit about the the amount of wear and tear on Ekholm's body at this point, and, but and the way right he plays now, too. It's a, like, exactly, he, he's like he, Tanev, right? He, that's what I was gonna say. Big Tanev vibes, but it, you know, it's it's as if you know every every Flames fan has an Oilers fan who they pick apart their team to. You always say like, here's you know, sure you got a McDavid and you got a uh, you know Pulyarvi, not Pulyarvi anymore, but you have a McDavid and a Drysaitlin and Ryan Newton Hopkins. Look, but what what do you have? 
who's, who's playing in the defensive zone? And the answer was always a bunch of guys who aren't great at it. And so it's as if your annoying friend who loves the Oilers listened to every criticism you have of their team, sent it to Ken Holland, and Ken Holland went out and got them probably the best two-way guy available at position. And yeah. will he you know, will he last a 28-game playoff run? They're hoping so. Will he last well beyond that? I don't think they care if he lasts beyond that. Yeah, but the, they went to the Western Conference Final last year. They're looking, they're looking to take and, a step. And right? they're, I think they have a better defensive group right now than they did a year ago. And that you know probably pains people to hear, but they're they're a team that had to score their way out of their problems, and now they can potentially learn to defend a bit better. And you know their their goaltending isn't amazing this year, but if they get good enough goaltending and they have the offensive firepower they do, they just add Nick Bjugstad, who's another really good depth piece. Pronounced Bjugstad. Bjugstad. Yeah, come on. Sorry, Nick Bjugstad. But yeah, they you had you had the, the the two guys they have, and with the depth they have, with the young legs they have on the firm system, I mean, they're a team that seems to have learned from what didn't work a year ago. I, I think they've gotten significantly better by going out and getting Ekholm. Um, and, and it didn't seem like they missed Tyson Berry on their power play. I know that was one of the things that you wondered about. It's like, okay, well, Berry's gone. That's been a really big power play part for them. The power play looked just fine against Toronto on Wednesday night. So um, I, I, I think that they got better. Um, and, and I think that they... Even though they, they didn't necessarily want to say goodbye to Barry, he's such a nice guy. He's one of the, the truly nice dudes in the NHL. Had he's to great make, in the had locker to make the room. Money work. Um, but they had to make the money work. And, you know, they've got a lot of that. They've got a lot of good skating. They've got a lot of offense. They've got a lot of high-end offensive ability. They needed what Ekholm brings, and they got it. And I think that's a, a really good addition for them. I don't mind Bukestad coming in. Just for the record, if you thought I was being serious, I was being fully sarcastic. It's not Bajugstad, it's Bukestad. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that gives them a little bit of depth. Um, they, they were able to offload Pugliarvi finally. Um, I just I think that they got better. And I don't think it, it sounds like they're done, which would make sense. But they're a team that I think got, got better. Uh, this text comes in and says, Patrick, how dare you give Ken Holland credit for a good job? You're supposed to be a homer, not an Oilers fan. I'm kidding. Great move by Edmonton. I hate it. And that's kind of where I'm at. I hate it, but it was a good move. Yeah. Um, uh, what about L.A.? They've added Jonas Corpusello and Vladislav Gavrikov from Columbus in a big-time deal. They gave up a lot. They yeah. upset the apple cart, it feels like, I a mean, little bit by if, saying goodbye if, to Jonathan Quick. If you were them, would you be excited, so to speak, with Jonathan Quick and Phoenix Copley as your goaltending tandem? I'd be more excited by Corpusalo and Copley as my goaltending tandem. Yeah, I mean, it's it. If from a perspective of someone who knows a lot of people who work for the Kings and who, you know, also know a lot of Kings fans, ooh, that's that's one of those ones where you're if you're a Kings fan, you go, whoa, we got Corpusalo and Gavrikov, that's awesome. What we give up? And then your heart sinks a little bit when you hear you had to give up Jonathan Quick because he was such a good player for them for so long, and, I mean, we'll get into it in a bit. He stays in division, but I think it's. It's kind of that that that's where the Kings are. If you if you you know we talked about how wide open the Pacific Division seems to be, and the Kings are relatively safe in a playoff spot right now. And if you're them, if you're looking to fix the things that you don't think are working, if you're looking to be a better team than you were a year ago, I think that's a move you got to make. And I think it's a move that, as much as it pains you to make, I think you grin and bear it and go, you know, it's going to make feeling you know losing Jonathan Quick feel a lot better, winning a playoff round or two. Yeah. And, I mean, they needed help on defense. Gavrikov gives them that. They needed more stability in net. 
you know, neither Corposano nor Copley are what you'd call, oh, well, clearly they're, they're, the, they're the playoff answer. Now watch out for the Kings going on a deep run. But you feel better. You know, Corposano's metrics are really strong. And there's still, I think, a lot to be, uh, a lot to maybe be unlocked with him. Uh, Copley's really helped steady them. I don't think they get to the playoffs if they, if they don't make the decision to bring Copley in and put him on and, and, and uh, to elevate him from the American League. He's really stabilized things. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that move a lot for Los Angeles despite the price that they had to pay. And, and they still have, looking at Cap Renly, they still have, like, a really interesting, exciting young group. You have a Kopitar. Fiala's fit like a glove. Deneau's filled out his role really well. Kempe's taking another step. And they have all these young guys below the age of, you know, 23 and under pretty much all over their lineup. The only thing that they really needed to fix was their goaltending. So, I think... And and adding on defense. Yeah, they're they're deep now. Okay, then there's Vegas. We don't know if Vegas is done. They've added added (laughs) quick. I, I don't... I don't quite know why they're going on the every, what what they're thinking on the every, quick front every every year someone says oh boy how's kelly mccrimmon gonna get out of this jam and then kelly mccrimmon finds a way to get out of a jam and they, they've you know you you and Wes were talking last hour about uh the teddy bluger sweepstakes but ivan barbashev is i really... like the i like the barbashev one i'm a little more confused on the price they gave up for bluger yeah, I think maybe... Luger's a very, um, I don't know, almost replaceable fourth liner. He's he's a good two-way guy. He's good. He's, he's, you know, he's not even a good two-way guy. He's a good defensive guy. Yeah, he's he basically... He's like a poor man's uh, Nachushka. He's, he's a black hole for offense for both teams. You put him out there, nothing happens for anybody. And if you're Vegas and you want to avoid some track meets... Okay, I kind of get. Even when it stabilizes the game, you throw Bluger out there, just kill time for a minute and a half. Okay, I get it. But you know, quick. I mean, who's who's a goaltending tandem? Logan Thompson, who's still, I believe, still injured. Yes. Brassois is sort of in and out of the lineup in terms of injuries. They were going with, I forget who they who they're even using as their goalies for a little while. Well, Brassois was who started against uh, was who started against Calgary. Um, in the game that they almost won, but ended up losing, um, and somebody else backed him up. They're yeah, and Brassois day to day right now. And who's the right now? Their their goaltending tandem was Michael Hutchinson and Aiden Hill, and Hill's Hill remains. Uh, he's back now, yeah. so it's Hill and Hutchinson. It, when they played the Flames last week, and then it they, was Hutchinson and Brassois. And then they moved Hutchinson in the quick deal. So now their tandem, until everybody starts healing up, is Quick and Hill. And then perhaps if Thompson comes back, Thompson was great before he got hurt. If Thompson comes back, great. You're probably and Brassois can't stay healthy. He was finally healthy, then yeah. he got hurt again. Maybe it's something in the water in Vegas because it doesn't seem like you know Flurry was sort of dealing with stuff when he was there, and Robin Lehner had all the stuff he was dealing with when he was there, and he, I think he's still in LTI. Uh, they got a lot of stuff they're juggling there, but yeah, like if you know if you're if you're in Vegas, I mean when everybody's healthy. Granted, asterisk. I don't know if anyone's ever all going to be healthy at once there and that's how they're able to afford to do these things with LTI but I mean when everybody's healthy in Vegas they got a very good team but they also have a team that's like 103 million dollars against the cap or something ridiculous yes uh, they uh, they don't mind paying the real money do they uh, then there's Seattle uh, Seattle made their one kind of move a few weeks ago when they brought in Megna uh, but otherwise they've been very quiet to this point and it's interesting some of the discourse that's out there on what Seattle might do 
there's a lot of talk about yeah they might add they might they might bring somebody in because they feel like making the playoffs and and going deep in the playoffs uh, is is something that is interesting and and is lucrative and important for their development as an organization but Ron Francis is not blind to the prices that are being paid on the open market right now either yep. and and that you know the the market that we've seen so far you know there's a lot of talk that maybe even Ron Francis whose team is in a playoff spot and and has eyes on being a playoff team and and probably should be a playoff team the way they've played this year you know there's a lot of talk that you know maybe he's he's willing to uh, move out a player, a roster player, to continue the long-term vision of the Seattle Kraken and not be too beholden to just this year, you know? They got, They're really curious. They got Carson Soucy coming up on being a UFA, and you probably would prefer not to lose guys for nothing, but they got the cast base to keep them, but they haven't done anything with him yet. Uh, Ron Francis in the market has been talking to local media and basically trying to, you know, temper expectations a bit, saying, you know, maybe he might not do anything. And a, as a as a manager in a market where you're still trying to get your feet, you know, get your footing, makes sense. And if you're trying to make it so that, you know, fans of the Kraken won't be terribly disappointed if nothing happens. I mean, if something comes together, great. They got, you know, they got some interesting pieces to work with. But, yep. you know, I, I think uh, I'm really curious what they do because, like, it's been – last year was such a painful year in Seattle for so many reasons. Things just did not go right. And so many things have gone right for them this year. It would be nice for that market, for those fans, especially so early in their tenure, to have a playoff run like the way it may not. No one's going to have a playoff run the way Vegas did, but to have you know a playoff appearance, a playoff series, you can really sort of hold on to as something to build on for that market. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a hugely unique set of circumstances. I'm really curious how how they end up juggling that. Last question: Of the teams in the Pacific who have made deals so far, who's gotten better the most? Oh, to me, it's Edmonton. You're gonna make me praise the Oilers. Again. I know. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Kings did some smart things, but I think for for the things that I personally thought the Oilers needed to fix, I think they've done a lot of them. You know, they even even just getting rid of you know they they've been dealing with the Pilyarvi sideshow all year, and honestly, probably for longer than that. You have that situation dealt with. A potential distraction is gone. You bring in some guys who, who can energize your group and some guys who fill in gaps that you desperately need to fill. And they still have, you know, they you know they lost some picks, they lost some prospects, but they still have a pretty decent farm system. They have guys they can fill in, and they have guys they feel comfortable with filling in. And with that coach, with that group, I think for the first time in a while, you know, they've always had some belief, but I think after the moves they've made, in that locker room, they're probably feeling really confident about their chances. They're they're an upstart team. They do a lot of things well. They are, are one of the elite shot suppression teams in the NHL. I think that um, Seattle's a really interesting one for me. And, and, you know, I give Edmonton a lot of credit for Ken Holland was under fire. He went out and did the right thing. Um, and I do think they're the group that has gotten the be best the most uh, or has gotten the – and I, I think, you know, Vegas has been a little bit more around the fringes, and L.A. made a big splash too. But of L.A. and Edmonton, I still think the Oilers are the team that, that maybe made the, the made their team best or, or better than they were before to the highest degree. Uh, I'll tell you, I wouldn't mind watching other playoff series between those two teams again. 
I think they're they're both. I think between Edmonton and LA, LA. Oh yeah. Like it was it was that good was a last really year. Really competitive series. And I think both teams got better in ways that would make that more of a war. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, well, that'll uh, start to wrap us up this hour. That's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. Pike, enjoy deadline day. Enjoy the Flames and Leafs. Uh, we'll have lots to talk about Friday and uh, and next week. Thank you, pal. Good seeing you. See you next week. Pike's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, Taylor and John have been our producers, and that'll wrap us up this hour. It's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.